0: The prophet foretells the coming of the savior. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shined. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. on the throne of David and over his kingdom. It will be established and upheld with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Where the sun won't shine. Where the sun won't shine. Uh, That line was splashed across the front of the Tribune uh, on Thursday for obvious reasons, I guess. Uh, On Thursday, we had reached seven straight days of uh, no sunshine in our great city. And uh, there was a short piece, and I'm not making this up, there was a short piece by a meteorologist named uh, Kevin Doom. And uh, he said that the sun might finally make an appearance today, and here we are. It has poked through the clouds, and the sun has appeared. Uh, I told uh, Allison earlier in the week that I thought the weather this month had been uh, particularly Dickensian. You know, I thought that the cold rain was a very nice touch. Um, And I'm all for some Dickens. I love Dickens, but I like to read about dreary in a book, not experience it day after day in real life. It was certainly gloomy and nobody likes that. These are all of the feelings that the prophet Isaiah had been evoking, not just the lack of light, but all of the physical distress and emotional distress that comes when there is no light. That's what Isaiah has been talking about. And over the last few weeks, we've talked a little bit about the particular history. This part of Isaiah speaks into the people of God were facing this real existential threat. The uh, military apparatus of Assyria was looming at the northern borders of the nation, ready to pounce and take everything. And instead of trusting God, the king at the time trusted himself. He sent a bribe that he thought might be enough to dazzle the Assyrian king into not attacking. And that was a very foolish gamble. And now the invasion of the lands north of Jerusalem is totally assured. And Isaiah describes what that day will be like like this they will look to the earth but behold distress and darkness the gloom of anguish those are not hard images to understand but then you know out of what seems like nowhere literally everything changes Isaiah starts speaking about the future as if the future has already taken place the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. These are also images that are not hard to understand. The sun has risen. It's blazed into the sky. It's chased away the darkness and all of the gloom that came with it. You have multiplied the nation, he writes. You have increased its joy. The people rejoice before you. I love those lines uh, from Isaiah 9. It always makes me think about what it's like here in Chicago on that you know, first sunny, slightly warm day in uh, March or usually in April. <laughs> you know how that day is. People, when that sun comes out, and it feels a teeny bit warm. People fly out of their houses, and they sit in the sun, and they let the sun hit their faces, and kids kick balls around on barely thawed out ground, and dudes run along the lakefront with their shirts peeled off, and nobody cares about how absurd it is because it's like 45 or 50 degrees. And people are overcome with joy. (laughs) The sun is out, the joy is increased, we rejoice. So why? Why does Isaiah say this? Or more accurately, what is going to happen that's going to cause this level of joy and this level of rejoicing among God's people after all of this devastation? Well, he doesn't say right away why. First, he describes this really surprising piece. All of the boots of the tramping warrior, all of the blood battle-soaked garments will be rolled up and burned as fuel for the fire. They won't be needed anymore. They will be forgotten because the rod of the oppressor has been broken. And then he adds this curious little line, like on the day of Midian. (laughs) Maybe you remember that story about Gideon. You can read it later in Judges 7. Gideon and his rinky-dink little band of 300 men defeat a Midianite horde without a fight. All right? They smash pots and they hold torches and they blow trumpets. And the enemies end up defeating themselves and running away in fright. Through that apparent ridiculous weakness, God works incredible strength on the day of Midian. And that's all you need. (laughs) That is all the setup that you need for when Isaiah finally says what's going to bring peace and what's going to bring all of this joy and rejoicing. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. That's what does it. That is the scandal of Isaiah's good news. And that is always the scandal of all of God's good news. When the mighty God comes to deliver, when we finally see him. It is the face of a child that first appears. Vulnerable and transparent and humble and piercing and unspeakably strong and unbearably beautiful. You can think about that every day for the rest of your life and you will never get to the bottom of it. A king is coming, but he is like no other king ever. What is he like? Well, Isaiah just tells us what he's like by giving us his names. Where human wisdom has has been consulted and failed again and again and again, this king will have a name. It will be Wonderful Counselor. He will have the unbounded depth of God's wisdom. Where warrior kings have failed again and again, this child will have a name. He is the Mighty God. He will have the might of God himself absorbing all of the sin and all of the evil of this world until there is no more to be absorbed until it is gone. Where the best rulers of this world eventually hand their rule over this child will have a name everlasting father. Where the frail frightened leaders have imposed their might through war. This king will have a name Prince of Peace. He will establish an everlasting peace, not through his might, but through the self-giving love of his own death. Church, that is a vulnerability that makes defense against it pointless. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. His rule will be filled with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And we know who this king is. The angel told his mom about him before he was born. He'll be great, the angel said. He'll be great. And he will be called the son of the most high And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And all of these promises that Isaiah makes, every one of these promises begin to be kept at the first advent of Jesus. And every one of these promises, all of them, church, will be fully kept at his second advent in glory. They will, and that is absolutely true. He is the crucified and risen and ascended one. And that means that he is bringing his sin, forgiving, oppression, crushing, deeply wise, deeply just, deeply righteous kingdom to bear right now, right now. And church, that is cause for joy right now. Not because it's coming one day, but because it has already come. Because when people like us follow Jesus in faith and repentance, we get all the benefits of his rule right now. I know I know that there is darkness all around us I know that I know that we face darkness and anguish in our city and in our world there is war and conflict in every corner of the globe we had another shooting outside of a school in the city this week and I know that there is darkness we stare down in our own lives you know health troubles broken relationships uncertainty about our work uncertainty about our kids the icy grip of an addiction that we can't break, the sin that hangs around our neck, the consequences of choices we've made that always seem to cast a shadow. I know that that darkness is there. And what I'm telling you is that our hope in them and that our joy in them isn't only found in the truth that one day Jesus will come again and make it all new again. He for sure will. He absolutely will. But we have hope And we have joy right now, too, because Jesus is not a king seated at the right hand of the Father who's wringing his hands and hoping we all pull through. He is mighty God. He is wonderful counselor. He is everlasting Father. He is Prince of Peace. Right now, church, he is all of those things. And to follow him in in faith and repentance is to be hidden in him. It is to share our lives with him. This life that he has given in self-giving love for us and the life of the world. To live under his gracious and powerful rule right now. That's what happens right now when we follow him. We can see the darkness change. And we can see it weaken. And we can see it be taken away. And that's the truth. Jesus said this, these things have I spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be full. So follow this king in faith if you have not yet. Remain with him if you have. Come back to him if you have wandered away. Because he has increased our joy. So let's rejoice before him with all that we have. Amen.